Hi there, it's Ed here with a short message before we start the pod this week. Did you know that our most informed investors get insights, articles and investment ideas from Tom, me and the team sent directly to them via email and it is completely free. You can join them. Just subscribe at fidelity.co.uk slash newsletters. In this week's market update, shares fall for a third week in a row as the Fed signals higher for longer rates. The pound falls back again as UK rates go on hold. Meanwhile, this week's focus is European inflation and US and UK growth data. Well, stock markets endured a nasty wake-up call last week as the Federal Reserve gave a clear signal that interest rates have further to go in the US and will fall back more slowly than hoped in 2024 and 25. The S&P 500 fell nearly 3% on the week and the interest rate sensitive Nasdaq was 3.6% lower, responding to a further rise in bond yields to their highest level since before the financial crisis. The US market has now fallen for three weeks on the trot, in what looks like an end of the strong rally since last October's bear market low point. The Fed actually held interest rates at their current level of between 55 and 5.5% last Wednesday, but it was described by market watchers as a hawkish hold. In other words, the commentary from Fed Chair Jerome Powell and the so-called dot plot projection of future interest rates was at odds with the actual rate decision. The dot plots indicate the interest rate forecasts of individual rate setters. Put together, they now signal one more rate hike this year, but more importantly, they also point to a much slower path of rate cuts over the next two years than a previously been indicated. That's because despite tight monetary policy, economic growth remains relatively strong and unemployment low. So now the average estimate among the Fed's 19 policymakers is that the US interest rate will fall to just five to five and a quarter percent next year. That's about half a percentage point higher than was signaled just three months ago by those dot plots. By 2026, the interest rate is still forecast to be nearly 3%. It means that the Fed thinks that the fastest monetary tightening program since the 1970s is yet to run its course and will be slow to unwind. Now, not everyone believes the central bank. Jan Hatzius, the chief economist at Goldman Sachs, is one of the Fed watchers who thinks that the Fed is done with interest rate hikes. But even he accepts that rates will have to stay higher for longer in the face of a resilient economy and persistent inflation. Markets are having to get used to the idea that the neutral level of interest rates, which neither stimulates nor constricts the economy, may now be higher than previously thought. In other words, that we've now moved into a new interest rate regime after the zero rate era since the financial crisis. That expectation of higher for longer rates has fed into bond yields. They're now at their highest level since the financial crisis. 10-year yield is now at 4.4% and the more rate-sensitive two-year bond is yielding 5.1%. Although that inversion of the yield curve, so long-dated yields being lower than short-dated ones, is a sign of economic trouble ahead, the economic data is actually pointing to a more benign outcome. And the challenge for investors is deciding whether that's good or bad news for shares, because a strong economy is typically good for the stock market but high interest rates and bond yields are not. 
If you look under the surface of the stock market, an even more confusing picture emerges. And that's because while the headline S&P 500 has fallen back, but still remains well up on last year's low, that index continues to be driven largely by a handful of big tech stocks. A broader view provided by the equal weighted S&P 500 index has actually been moving sideways for the past 18 months or so. And if you look instead at smaller companies, so the Russell Microcap Index, it's back at its bear market low point and has been falling for nearly three years now. So those other measures, the ones that are not just about the big tech companies, are casting doubt on the widely held assumption that a new bull market started last autumn. For that to be the case, earnings are going to have to work hard to drag the market higher against the headwind of higher for longer rates and pretty full valuations. Fortunately, the forecasts remain positive for a decent uptick in company profits next year and in 2025, but the pressure is on. Earnings really are going to have to show up to keep the bull market on track. As well as interest rates, another headwind that investors will have to contend with is the 30% rise in the oil price since the summer. Supply cuts from leading producers like Saudi Arabia and Russia have been the primary cause of the rise since June to a level for Brent today of around $93 a barrel. More recently, a ban on exports of diesel and petrol by Russia has tightened the screw even further. Over on this side of the Atlantic, last week painted a slightly different story. Here, interest rates were unexpectedly held at 5.25%. The consensus had been that Britain's more deep-seated inflation problem would mean that the Bank of England would keep hiking rates. It was not so long ago that the expectation was for a peak for interest rates of 6.5%. However, last week's lower-than-expected inflation number for August and weaker-than-expected economic activity in September persuaded the bank that it could safely pause its hiking cycle, which started at the end of 2021. There's always a lag until the impact of rising interest rates is felt, and a small majority of rate-setters felt that we still need to see what's going on in the UK economy before any further tightening. The evidence is coming through quite strongly now that the UK economy is faring a lot worse than the resilient US. The housing market in particular is weak on the back of significantly higher mortgage rates, and that's having a noticeable impact on consumer confidence. So this is showing up in a couple of ways. First, the pound has fallen back to $1.22, nearly 7% lower than its peak in July, and just 1.2% higher than it started the year against the dollar. A couple of banks have forecast that sterling could fall to $1.18 this year. And it's not just the pound that's falling against the dollar. The euro and notably the yen are also fading against the US currency. In the case of Japan, the decline to nearly 150 yen to the dollar also reflects the Bank of Japan's unique persistence with very loose monetary policy. The second place the weakening UK economy and outlook for interest rates is evident is in the bond market, where gilts which had been out of favour are very much back in vogue. Hedge funds, which had been shorting gilts, are now rapidly reversing those bets. Investors are now counting on UK interest rates having peaked, and they're looking to lock in today's attractive yields before rates fall back again. Were they to do that, those bonds would also deliver a capital gain to add to the high initial yield to give a very positive total return. Elsewhere in Europe, the focus this week is on inflation, 
European inflation is expected to fall to a near two-year low in September when the data is announced on Friday. Consumer price growth is forecast to fall from 5.2% in August to 4.6% in September, which will be the slowest rate of growth since October 21. The important consequence of that could be that the ECB has also reached the end of the line after raising borrowing rates for a tenth time earlier this month, from negative rates to nearly 4%. Apart from European inflation, the main economic announcements this week will be GDP data for both the US and UK. And in terms of corporate announcements, well, it's another very quiet week, as we remain some weeks away from third quarter earnings season. Over here, there are a few more retailers due to report, ASOS and HMN, H&M most notably. Others to watch out for include Cruise Group, Carnival, Nike and Accenture. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.